Chef Rickdale and Coulter Nuanas. As always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Coming to you October 11th. It's a Friday. It's homecoming weekend in Bozeman. The Grizz got a bye, so it should be a rocking weekend on the other side of the Great Divide. Broadcasting to you from the ESPN studios in Missoula, but heading over that way, do my Bobcat pregame tailgate show, 105.7-1047 FM, the Eagle Montana Superstation before the game, and cover the homecoming game between the number 6 Montana State Bobcats and the Sacramento State Hornets. In this podcast, a little bit different format. We won't be sharing any interviews this week except for one, our Bobcat Roundtable with Eric Frazier. That will be the middle portion of this podcast. Actually, excuse me, the end portion of this podcast. But first, we'll be joined by Ryan Tutel from ESPN Missoula. He'll be making his way over to the game as well. So we'll break down just where the Bobcats are at about six games into the season. And then we'll hear from Brooks Nuanas, a little roundtable style with myself, Ryan, and Brooks. Then we'll share Eric Frazier, Montana State wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator on the uh, Bobcat Roundtable that aired earlier this week on 1057-1047, The Eagle. As always, this podcast presented proudly by Selway Armory. Get your button in the new store. We need you to go see this new place because you are going to love it. If you're a firearms enthusiast, they got you covered. Whether you need a rifle, a handgun, anything in between, ammunition, the beautiful new Selway Armory out, Jackrabbit Lane in Bozeman, an awesome venue. And if you're in Missoula, Selway Armory in Missoula as well. SelwayArmory.com. You can order online, they'll ship it right to your front door, or you can go in there, hang out with the boys, they'll get you all hooked up. Podcast also proudly presented by Town Pump Food Stores. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953, no matter where you're at. In Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. Actually just filled up with gas already, so I can hit the road right after two Tell Nuanas this evening. Town Pump's always got you covered. I'll probably hit it on the way out of town as well to get myself a little drink, have some water, maybe some caffeine. Whatever you need, Town Pump's got you covered. Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953. Ryan Tutel, ESPN Missoula, breaking down the Bobcats. It is the Big Sky Breakdown. Hey, it's your favorite guy, Ryan Tutel. Not me. I ain't your favorite guy. I'm just the one that facilitates all this. Gus Tutel, sitting shotgun, Big Sky Breakdown. Talking Bobcats exclusively. We usually do some Bobcats and Grizzlies, and Gus is on ESPN Radio in Missoula, so... He carries the Grizz analysis a little bit for us, but uh, no Grizz game this week. Homecoming right. in Bozeman, Montana State, five-game winning streak, longest since 2012, and uh, their weaknesses are as glaring as any team in the league, but their strengths are as impressive as any team in the league. They are the most interesting team in the Big Sky Conference to me because you, the talent is so apparent. And the flaws are so apparent, and it hasn't mattered. You've misspoken twice. You said weaknesses and flaws. There's not. There's a weakness and a flaw. They're one thing. It is the quarterback. Right. That's it. That's all. Everything else, an overwhelming strength. And and really, and overwhelming is the word because it has carried the day. They are 5-1 and one and really have been rolling, right. frankly, even with this thing that is it's not even the elephant in the room I mean everybody acknowledges that Jeff Choate has talked about this six ways from Sunday he's come at it in every different way and I got to believe that Jeff Choate has had you know we want to find out what what's in the mind of a coach like what are you thinking about this Uh it is evolving and spinning faster than the universe in Jeff Choate's mind like what in the world are we gonna do do we need to do do we need to do anything and I think it's I think it's changing daily certainly weekly for him you see it when he you know pulls bombing in favor of rovig on, on the last you know 
game of the non-conference schedule, and then you know on from there. But the point is, I don't think that there's like a you know if we could get Jeff Choate's true beliefs on this, I don't think they exist. Right. I think they are ever changing and dynamic, and 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 that is going to be the continuing state of quarterback. But again, so far. And probably for the foreseeable future, although Saturday is a unique situation because Sacramento State's so much better than what we thought. But it, it, it probably is not going to matter for quite a while because they're so damn good on defense, so good at running the football. It, it's, it's remarkable. And the thing that's so interesting, too, is that when you're in the ebbs and flows of a season, it's so easy to analyze all the things that aren't perfect. Right. But Montana State, to me, has been about as perfect as you can be offensively running the football when you consider. That Troy Anderson has been very limited, and Isaiah Fonsa has been basically absent. Those are their two best players. For sure. And so to be able to be on a five-year winning streak even with those guys, you know, and obviously Travis Johnson, Bryce Dirk, Derek Marks, Braden Conkle, those guys have something to say about who's the best player on the team, and the fact that they have seven or eight guys that are elite players in this league. But then you also talk about Troy Anderson hasn't been that healthy on defense. Montana State is lucky that they have the number of inside linebackers they have because those guys have been banged up too. I mean, Josh Hill has been nowhere to be found the last couple of weeks, but he has been practicing, so you wonder if they're just limiting him a little bit. I mean, a guy coming off back surgery, you don't necessarily want him to play Mike linebacker against Cal Poly because Mikel Hanna-Riley got ran into for 16 tackles on Saturday. Yeah. So, uh, But if Montana State, you know, Munchie Filer, one of the best corners in the league, he has not played yet this year. Ty Okada, one of the better nickels in the league, he has not played this year. So they have been missing key cogs and still rolling right along. So it's an interesting dichotomy because what they do on offense isn't sexy, but like Jeff Jotes said, the only thing I think is sexy is winning. And so, and they're winning. And so uh, they're just such an interesting team to analyze because you talk about learning how to win, they learn how to win. They've won in a variety of fashions. They won by going to sleep in the second quarter and then absolutely annihilating Southeast Missouri State in the third quarter. They won completely ugly with no offensive production to speak of, really, against Western Illinois on a hard trip on the road. They won going away by rushing for 450 yards against Norfolk State. They won by rallying from a 17-point deficit by just running the ball against NAU, and then they jump out to a 28-7 lead last week, blow it, and still win. So every, every possible fashion you can find for victory, Montana State has attained it so far this year. They have. And, you know, the thing that I one of the things that I always worry about when you have a situation where it's so imbalanced, right? Often we'll talk about this like the offense compared to the defense. Well, it's not the offense compared to the defense. It's simply the position of quarterback compared to the rest of the positions. But when you have an area of significant imbalance in terms of quality, in terms of production, it can create a rift, you know, and a rift in, at its worst can be a schism and really sink a football team. Uh, I give I give Jeff Choate credit, and frankly, I give the kids a ton of credit too, because it does not seem like that is the case at all. I think that everybody out there is trying to go out there and do what they can do to overcome this thing, and maybe because it's not a whole quote side of the ball, uh, that 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 kind of maybe is a bit of a rallying point for this team right now. Such a good point, man. Because so often when you have the old cliche is if you got multiple quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks, right. and so often though when you have multiple quarterbacks. You get a divide in the team, not even one filled with vitriol at all. It's just some guys might just be like when Montana State had a quarterback competition to replace Daenerys McGee. There was definitely dudes who were team Prukop, and there was dudes that were team Jake Bluskin. Like the, the just the style that totally. they play. The I mean, like the guys who go deep wanted Jake Bluskin because he throws better deep ball. But like, here's the thing: there you're you're basically trying to get 
you're trying to find one guy to essentially do the same thing and just find the strengths and weaknesses, but to go back there and be the quarterback. Right. That doesn't exist for this team. Right. The, all, but, all you have is the position of quarterback, right. and you're filtering guys through. They're totally. utterly different from one another. Totally, and that's I think that is a testament to the coaching and, and the culture because mm-hmm. so often if you have a guy that's not up to par at quarterback, especially if you have so many other great parts of your team, it can just be a source of resentment, whether it's towards that guy or towards the coaching staff or whatever. But I get the vibe from talking to almost all these players that they not only are they totally bought into everything that the coaches are doing, but they don't look at it as glass half empty. They look at it as glass half full. If Tucker Rovin can come in and complete 10 passes like he did last week, I mean, I think he was 10 of 23 for 143 yards. He's not burning the world down, but he's not burning the house down either. You know what right. I mean? Like, if he can get, if he can complete ten passes, it's it's, it's all gravy. It's better than what they were doing with with Chris Murray, and like on par with what they were doing with Troy Anderson. So you know, it's not actually that much different. So it's just, it is. It's a fascinating analysis. Uh, the other thing I think is worth noting is I think you can see a, a distinct continuity on Montana State's staff. Jeff Choate is a fascinating character. He's one of the most fascinating humans I've ever been around. Yeah. He's so unbelievably smart, driven, vision, everything, but he's also volatile and sort of crazy sometimes. Not sort of. He's crazy sometimes. Uh, But during games, actually, he's not as big of a roller coaster as you maybe expect. He's way more passionate in practice. I think that's because he spent so much of his time coaching high school football, coaching positions. He's such a good hands-on coach. But you could just tell sometimes – him and Ty Gregorak sometimes would click big time, and then sometimes they wouldn't. And there, there would be a disconnect on defense, and somebody's changing calling plays. Who's doing what? And same thing on offense. I think Choate was meddling on the offense a lot the last three years. And I think that now he's got two coordinators that he trusts, but I also think that they're calm and savvy in Kane Ione and Matt Miller, and I think that they can talk him off the ledge, for lack of a better phrase. I think they can kind of get him locked in. And I think that that even though they've been a little bit volatile in their performance, I think it has helped them then even out and be able to believe what they believe and finish games. Yeah, and I mean, I think that there's uh, there's a relationship there that, uh, especially with Kane, right, that's more than, than football or, or at least extends further back. And so when you have maybe a longer history with a guy, Ty Gregorak, he's, he, the day he met Jeff Choate was the defensive coordinator for Jeff Choate, essentially. You know, you know what I'm right. saying? In terms of the daily interaction that you would have with him, right. he was already working for him. Whereas with Kane Ione, he and Jeff Choate have known each other for quite a long time and uh-huh. spent a lot of time together. Uh-huh. And, and, and you know, there was some writing on the wall that this eventuality at some point was going to, you know, probably play itself out where Kane Ione was going to come back and be the guy. But at that point, he comes in probably with a little bit uh, – with, with a little bit more um, decision-making uh, and autonomy from Jeff Choate to do what he wants to do defensively uh, just simply for that reason. And because I think this is ultimately, at least for Jeff Choate's perspective, as, settles, as settled as it would ever be. I mean, who's had more changeover on their staff and movement and guys coming and going and changing even positions within the staff than Jeff Choate? Nobody. I mean, there's there's been the only a guy, of change. The only guy on the staff that has the same job as he did the day Jeff Choate hired him four years ago is Byron Hout. They have a lot of guys that are that have been on the staff, but right. Matt Miller's had 
wide receivers, quarterbacks, offensive coordinator. Kyle Reisinger has coached both secondary positions on down the line. I mean, everybody's been Ryan Armstrong, O-line, O-C, O-line. It's a testament to their versatility, but also it is. It's a little bit of a roller coaster just in continuity. And I guess the point is, is that that Kane Ione feels as solid uh, in terms of like he's the guy, he's the DC, and he's not going anywhere, and that's what Jeff Choate wants, and it's what Kane Ione wants, and it's easy to say in your first year that that's the case, but you're t- it's not just a guy. I mean, this is the all-time Bobcat great Kane Ione coming back to be the DC at his alma mater. That that if that was to change, that would be that would be greater than all the other changes before it combined. No doubt. So, uh, point being is is that stability that I think everybody kind of understands also then gives traction to the defensive coordinator. It gives him power to to be able to say, I don't think that's what we should do. I think this is what we should do, and here's why. And I think that that, I think that is good for any coach. I think it's especially good for Jeff Cho. Especially because so much of what Kane Ione will say, here's what we should do. He got it from Pete Kukowski, who's a guy Jeff Cho trusts, right. and who a guy that Jeff Cho learned from and with right. as well. You know, so it's not the you know, Ty Gregorak. We love him, great friend of our show, great friend to me, and uh, but stubborn, and so is Jeff Cho. And so you know, when you start butting heads, it's, no one, no one's given an inch there. Well, and also situationally, I mean, it's no just doubt. a fact of the matter of how he came in and what the deal was. He he was very much. Well, all coordinators are are subordinate at the ultimate level sure. to the head coach, but there's. The, the reality of that situation totally. makes Kane Ione more equitable partner in the defense than what Ty Gregorak probably ever could have been, and that's that's not a reflection on anybody's coaching ability. It's a it's a, a reflection on the situation. Next, that breakdown brought to you in part by Selway Armory. Selway Armory, get your ass in the new Selway Armory in Bozeman. No kidding, they got the. I mean, this thing is glorious. Here's the thing. It's out there in the corner uh, of Jackrabbit and Baxter. You kind of know where it is uh, out, out there west of town just a little bit. You drive by, you go, okay, you know, then a new building kind of looks nice or whatever, but it, what's what's really in there? And then you walk in, and the swinging doors, they open up, and it's like a dang gun cathedral. I mean, it's gigantic in there. It's so much bigger than you think and so much nicer than you think as well and just racks of everything, everything. Every type of gun, every, you know, all the ammo, all the accessories is in there. But also, uh, and this is the, the the best part, the people that work there, man, they they know what in the world they're doing. I mean, Jim, nobody knows more about this stuff than him. A retired Army veteran, this guy has all of the insight that you could ever need on everything that he's got in his inventory, and they got, well, everything in their inventory. Firearms, handguns, ammunition, whatever you want, whatever you need. Not only do they have the expert advice, not only do they have the most beautiful inventory and storefront you'll ever find, but also the best prices. Shop with Solo Army for a year. We guarantee you you're going to save money with the big box stores. Solo Armory, locations of both Missoula and Bozeman. Go check out that brand new Solo Armory out, Jackrabbit Lane in Bozeman. You won't regret it. You will love it. Pivoting, little Big Sky Breakdown times three. Ryan Tutel and Brooks Nuanez, Skyline Sports. Our analysis of the Montese Bobcats with me, Coulter Nuanez, marches on SkylineSportsMT.com every day, every season. Go check us out. And thanks so much for listening thus far. And keep on listening. I promise you're going to enjoy yourself. Brooks, let's start here. I asked Ryan this exact question to begin this segment. And uh, got to ask you too. Montana State, 
They've done it in a variety of ways. Uh, they, the, the weakness is glaring. The strengths are apparent. The Cats are flush with talent and flush with a winning mentality at the current moment. What's your evaluation of Montana State at the midpoint of the 2019 season? Well, I think it's just that. Um, I think that you know the quarterback situation at this point it's been, it's been such a roller coaster ride for so many games. It's been seasons and seasons, and it's been a, a, in totality the better part of four years. So at this point, I think it's kind of like the dysfunctionality of the quarterback situation has become an environment that everyone feels comfortable playing and living in. I think it's become a little bit normal, normalized by, by Jeff Choate and his ability to, you know, stay true to what he claims is his mantra is that it's all about W and the more wins this team gets, the more that, that the, the backbone and the kind of the soul of what Jeff Choate is, is, is saying becomes more and more true. Uh, so I think that there is some glaring weaknesses, but I think overall, one of the most uh, you know well-rounded teams on on the offensive and defensive lines, um, as well as in the second level at, at linebacker and in the backfield at running back, one of the more well-rounded teams in the Big Sky in a while. Uh, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of ability to to get downhill on people. The, the defensive line is such a unique piece of, of the puzzle here because it's been the thing that they could that the Montana State under Jeff Choke could not do the first two seasons. And last year even struggled at times to get to get to the quarterback. And now, I mean, the gates are open, man. It's all hell break loose when 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 the ball is snapped. There is chaos a lot of scrimmage caused by that defensive line. So overall, the team is in a really good spot because I think that we all agree that, especially in this league, if or at any any level of college football, any level of football for that matter, that if you're dominant on each side, each front, each offensive and defensive line that you have a real chance to win any game. And they're not just dominant. I think it's probably the best group in the league um, at, at the defensive line spot. So overall, there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of promise, especially with the schedule the next two or three weeks kind of plays out to Montana State's favor. Ryan made a good point. I want to ask you about this too. So much often when you have, uh, when you're unsettled at quarterback, it could just matriculate throughout the entire locker room just in terms of the dissatisfaction players might have with either the coach or the player that's playing quarterback or whatever it might be. And I think that's an interesting factor in that Tucker Rovick's been okay sometimes and he's been not great sometimes and he's been awful sometimes. And it doesn't seem to actually affect the collective mentality of the team. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of resentment on the defensive side of the ball. It doesn't seem like they get down in the dumps and then can't come back because then when they need it, instead of turning to the quarterback, which almost every team does, it's the opposite. They turn away from it and turn to their offensive line, turn to their running game, just like they did against Northern Arizona, just like they did in overtime last week against Cal Poly. What do you think about that dynamic? Just the fact that, although it is a state of disarray, it's like you said, it's kind of just commonplace amongst the mentality of their team. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's more common than, than we may attribute to, especially in the big sky, that the quarterback isn't always the best player in college football. You know, it, it seems to be that it's such an easy viewpoint to say that they are. But I think that Bobby Houck spoke to it quite well earlier this season and has spoken to it several times that, you know, throughout his tenure, his first tenure at Montana at Montana, his best player and his best leader and multiple best players and multiple best leaders on any given team were never the quarterback, which I think is a pretty unique thing. I think that Jeff Chode has kind of taken that same mentality that if you have defensive dominant defensive players 
and running backs that get downhill on people. Running backs that are kind of like, you know, maybe a step above this level. And, and a guy like Troy Anderson, when he's healthy, you know, you're talking about like an NFL prospect. You have leadership at those positions. You can kind of overcome the quarterback dynamic, uh, maybe not being your best player or being your best leader. I think that it, it speaks to Jeff Choate and the family program that he preaches and talks about. Uh, these guys do care about each other. I mean, there should have been some point where this team had some animosity towards the quarterback situation, and it truly has never happened. Um, I think it's really unique. I think it shows the maturity of, of a lot of the a lot of the team overall. I think they do have quite a few upperclassmen, and it, you know, it shows in those in those aspects. But I think any team at some point is going to have to rely on your quarterback, and Montana State hasn't proven the ability to do that quite yet, especially in a big game. Um, so that that that'll be something that'll be probably the main key to, to watch. We know what every group can do except the quarterback. Can they make take that next step? So, but Brooks, let me ask you this because look, man, we don't want to sit here and like crush everybody, but there's it's one thing to have your quarterback not be your best player. It's another thing to have your quarterback actually be your worst player. And and rather than plodding along and sort of getting through a game and letting the defense do it and letting the running game do it and then kind of, you know, getting a couple passes out here and there, it's I mean, it's it's like an active deficit what's going on right now, which is why they have so many different guys in the plus one run game and doing all that with Travis Johnson, obviously Troy when he's healthy and the, and the outstanding running game that they've had. And I think it's impressive that this that it's not merely sort of a mediocre thing, but a glaring weakness has basically been overwhelmed by the strength, the overwhelming strength of the rest of this team. It is a glaring weakness. Uh, it's the hardest part about it, in my opinion, is that I think Coulter spoke to this quite well last week on on, on ESPN one hundred two nine there in Missoula. Is what are you supposed to do at this point? Right. I mean, there's no there's no free agent. I mean, like. You have bad quarterbacks. Jeff Choate has, been, has has really proved that he cannot evaluate quarterback talent. Whether that, that's just him and that's just on his plate, that's kind of the, how the head coaching thing goes. I think it's clearly Matt Miller. I think it's clearly Brian Armstrong during his time. Bob Cole probably had some influence. I mean, these guys clearly have not been able to identify a high school or uh, junior college transfer quarterback, even a drop-down quarterback that can come in and help them. But at this juncture, there's no changing that. Um, I think that you try to cover it up the best you can. The thing, you know, the, the thing is that they don't really try to cover it up. They don't really try to, you know, in my opinion, you would put the guy in your center, you'd run some long play action, some big, long bootlegs play action to protect him a little bit, give him maybe a second in the pocket, move the pocket for him a little bit. They don't even try to do that. They're not trying to hide the deficiency. It's well known, and I don't think that they really care. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a remarkable thing. And I just wonder, you know, I mean, at some point, what's the point? I mean, just let Travis Johnson basically be the quarterback and just be just be Troy Anderson 2.0 again, and maybe occasionally he can try and surprise you with a throw downfield, and you become a de facto different style, but like a, like a straight Cal Poly, not even Cal Poly 2019, Cal Poly going back in history where you're throwing the ball literally five times a game and just do that and and you know and not have the facade. That said, to your point, Coulter, uh, Tucker Rovig 
completed 10 passes last week. If you go out and go 10 for 23 for 150 yards in this offense, that actually is a boost. So he provided that against Cal Poly last week. He actually, for, he actually completed 12 of 24 oh, 12, passes. 12 of yep. 24, yep. so I shorted him a couple. So if he does that, then it's great. It's the Northern Arizona situation where your first pass is six points for the other football team. Like you cannot do that, and my worry is is that that's going to happen again. And and on that exact note, though, this is one thing we haven't talked about. Jeff Cho ended his press conference after the NAU game, uh, uh, the Monday after the NAU game, his pre week press conference leading into, I guess it would have been the the Cal Poly game. He said, "This pick six was one hundred percent us on co- as coaches. It was on us." He said that play was one hundred percent designed for Tucker to take the snap and throw the ball to one spot, which then. We talked about this on the show yesterday, Gus. We talked all about Brett Favre. Brett Favre threw more interceptions than anybody in the history of the NFL. He also threw the third most touchdowns ever because he was never afraid to let it rip. That's right. And Brett Favre could throw a pick six and then throw a 75-yard touchdown the very next time he was out on the field. Gunslinger mentality. It seems to me that not only is the operation not up to snuff, but they're putting way too much in these guys' heads just in terms of like Casey Bauman, They're playing timid. I mean, Casey Bauman was just shaking in his boots to not throw a pick. That's it. I mean, he sure he got tons of praise for not throwing a pick. He only threw one touchdown, and he didn't take any sacks, but he's thrown for ninety-two yards per game. So you got to let it rip every once in a while. I mean, you got to you got to let young quarterbacks learn. I want to throw in my two cents on the the fact that uh, why would you ever throw the ball twenty-five times if you're this team? It's I mean, I. That's mind blowing to me. Um, and, and the second, the second thing is, if you have, you had Troy Anderson, you had Travis Johnson, you ran this plus one run game all the way to a playoff win and uh, you know a second round loss, but but still a, a, an overwhelmingly good season, especially for the for, for what the last five had looked like at Montana State. You have this plus one running game, and then you decide to not do that again, even though you have those guys who have only gotten better, only gotten older. You decide to go away from it. But then if you do decide to play Travis Johnson, maybe he can throw it deep every now and then. I'll tell you this. I saw Travis Johnson compete in the quarterback competition. I saw him throw a pass against Northern Arizona. I don't know what happened to his ability to throw the ball, his ability to be a four-star recruit go to Oregon. But you don't want him throwing the ball. I'll tell you that. And if you see him run it, why wouldn't you just run it every time? I agree with you, Gus. I don't see why you wouldn't turn into a, a more of a full-blown triple option zone read team. I, it worked so well last year. I, I don't know what the, the difference is. Um, but you do have playmakers on the outside, and you want to get those guys involved. The thing that I've been interested about is not the animosity towards the quarterback, but the animosity that is not that has not come from the receivers not getting the ball. Yeah, like, we can talk. We can talk about like how fun and how fun it is to be a part of a team that wins. How great it is to be a part of family. There's nothing fun about playing receiver and not catching the ball. Nothing. It's it's there's, there's, nothing, <laughs> there's nothing fun about being a six one, hundred and ninety pound offensive lineman. That's not fun. Yeah. You know, here's the thing to me about this, and that's, that's a, a very good point, Brooks. Here, here's my issue. Montana State went to the playoffs. They won a playoff game. Then they went and got absolutely railroaded by the number one team in the country and showed just how big the gap is between where they are and where they wanted to be. They're better this year than they were last year, and they the, the, the ceiling or the expectation, the goal is higher this year than it was last year. And, I, and to me, like... Okay, you know, when you play the Cal Polys of the world, maybe the NAUs of the world, 
you know, you're, they're so much better across the board that they're going to be able to, to to win those football games, and I think they're going to run into a lot of those this season through the Big Sky Conference. But when perhaps the Montana-Montana State games game comes and then beyond into the playoffs, there's going to come a time where this is going to be the thing that's going to sink the ship. Like, I, I see the season coming to the end, coming to an end for Montana State at some point because of this. You know, and as good as they are defensively, as good as they are running the football, if you don't even pose the threat of being able to do it, North Dakota State is going to eat you alive. Alive, they're going to do it because everybody knows what's coming and they're not the only ones who can get out there and do it. And obviously it depends on how the postseason, you know, this tournament schedule, you know, bracket gets put together and all of that. But right now it it is okay. And Jeff Choke can keep preaching his vision because it is winning. But at some point it's not going to be a win. And when the one win that you had to have late in the season or in the postseason is as a result of of the very thing that everybody's talked about for the past three or four years, then at some point, like that comes back to haunt you. It absolutely does. And it's the caveat that I've given on this podcast for going on three years is that we can talk about how winning is fun and beating, you know, getting a win against Cal Poly on the road is, is, is a, is a, is a nice feeling, but at the end of the day in Montana and the state of Montana, Montana, Montana state are expected to compete for national championships. And that's the standard that we have held for them. That's the standard that the state and the fans have held to them um, for both institutions and both teams for a very long time. I don't think that that standard has or should change. So to speak to what you're saying, I agree. This style can get you eight, nine, ten wins. But can it win you a national championship at this exact juncture? I don't think so. Totally agree with you on this. It, 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 it cannot do it right now. And that's the issue because you're right. That's, that's the goal. The goal isn't to make the playoffs. The goal, the, the goal isn't even to quote unquote just win the Big Sky Conference. Though certainly that is a goal, and 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 they could like Montana State literally with no quarterback whatsoever could win the Big Sky Conference. That's how good they are defensively. It's how good they are at running the football. It's how they they, they really could, but they can't do the the thing that they really need to do to take the next step like this. It seems to me. Well, the thing is, though, they have the statistics right now to dig their heels in and just keep on doing what they're doing. They're averaging 440 yards per game, and they're averaging 40 points per game against FCS opponents. They're second in the league in scoring against FCS opponents. You know what this is like to me? This is like the Golden State Warriors firing Mark Jackson after back-to-back 50-win seasons, the best in 40 years in the, in, in, in the thing. And it's, obviously, there's this analogy because Montana State's been good recently as well. But... It's like everybody was like, well, why would you possibly fire Mark Jackson now when you've had your best thing? Well, it's because we know we can be better than what we are. And what you get right now out of Montana State is a, is a quote, 50-55 win NBA team, which is a great playoff team, a very strong team. But they have the talent to be a 70-win NBA team, you know, as the metaphor goes, if they could get an upgrade, not even, a, not you know, you don't have to have an All-American guy, just a, just a tenable thrower of the football in games. So, Gus, you've seen this team, and you do know the roster. What's the solution? I mean, you said already, like they're they're all they're they're too deep in this thing. Look, if it's me, if it's me, I'm going to Casey Bauman. Okay, the reason is is because it's not about now. He's going to do the same thing that that that, that they're going to do the same thing. Okay, so right. let the younger guy who's got probably the bigger upside, who's the going to be there for a longer period of time, just go back and take the thing over. But I wouldn't. I mean, I'd probably have him play literally on the field twelve snaps, maybe fifteen at the most in any given football game, handing the ball off half of those times and take. 
two or three, take two shots a half and throw two more balls, you know, underneath stuff or whatever a half. A total of eight attempts, eight to nine attempts a game from that guy just so that it's there, just to see what would happen, make him safe. And like you said, maybe move the pocket around, give him a little bit of help in the play calling the way that you do it. But basically, at this point, I think you have to go back to what you did before. It doesn't have to be Troy Anderson. It probably can't be Troy Anderson back there. Let it be. Let it be Travis Johnson. And by the way, when when Isaiah Fonse gets back and Troy Anderson, if he's back, just let him run the ball for 500 yards a game. Absolutely. I, I think they should go back agree. to Troy Anderson. Of course you do. I mean, here's the thing, man. You can, Everybody's... It's so funny because we want athletes to be unselfish. We want unselfishness to characterize sports. But if, I mean, Jeff Choate has gone on long monologues each of the last three weeks about how all he cares about is winning. I he's gone on a long monologue every week well, that he's ever been the no coach. No doubt, but yes. he, he's, he's dug his heels <laughs> in and just said, you know, I only care about winning. We will run the ball every down. We don't care what anyone thinks. Yes. Here's the thing. Playing Troy Anderson at outside linebacker is doing nothing for the Cats. He's got 18 tackles and one tackle for loss. He's made three plays that I can remember this season that where you're like, man, Troy Anderson makes 10, are you kidding me, plays every fucking time he plays quarterback. But I also, though, I, I think that the reason they're only playing him at linebacker right now literally is for his own protection. I mean, I, I don't think they're doing uh, – they, I think that Jeff Choate wants him to run the football more than anything sure. in the world. But here, you know what I think? I don't know why this feels – True to me. You guys can tell me if I'm a moron, okay? I think Troy Anderson absolutely should be playing offense as a traditional running back. I feel like when he's the quarterback and he gets out there and kind of everybody knows it's coming and where it's going, that's when he's getting his ankles twisted up and everything. I feel like he's more injury prone as a quarterback running the football than he is as a running back running the football. That's the most maddening part about the offensive play calling is the fact that the single most dangerous play in the Big Sky Conference is Troy Anderson running the toss sweep. I mean, Troy Anderson running the toss sweep where he gets around the corner. The play yes. he scored two touchdowns against the Grizz on yes. two years ago. You can't stop him. When he turns the corner, he's going to kill you. It's he's gone. running it's you gone. over or he's running by you. That's all. So that part is, I agree, Like they should run some toss stuff to him. Why not? Run power for him. Run Why everything not? for him if he can run, though, if, man. If like, be that's back the healthy. thing. No, that's true. Brooks, I want to ask you one more question here. I thought your point about the fact that sometimes it's assumed that all the the best players are the quarterbacks, but oftentimes that's not the case. I think when you look at the Power Five leagues, the the Pac-12 they try to build everything around the quarterback, just like the Big Sky Long has. Well, oftentimes, you know, now Alabama's got it rolling on a national level so much that they can get whatever recruit they want, including the best quarterbacks in the country. Same thing with Clemson, but there's a lot of times where in the Big Ten and the SEC. The best players are not the quarterbacks. Those guys are far down the list. But also, I think that when you have a Dalton Sneed or a, a Denarius McGee or a Travis Lule or Dakota Prukop or you know whoever it might be, oftentimes you lean on those guys so much. And sometimes you can have mental lapses at every other position because you have this belief that this guy's going to bail you out. And you saw it with the Cats in the early 2010s. You know, sometimes they would just come out flat or they would come out with no pizzazz, but everybody would just look to Daenerys McGee and, and Daenerys led them back so many times. And, you know, he led them to 31 wins during his time as a starter. But I want to ask you this. If Montana State had 
a, a top flight quarterback or even an above average quarterback, a guy who was in the top half of the league as a quarterback, would that affect just the intangible dynamic of the team? Do you think that the defense would have as big a sense of urgency or the offensive line would have you know, the initiative that they do, especially like when they're down 17 points in Northern Arizona? Do you think it would affect the mentality of the team? I do. I absolutely do. And it would also it would take the ball out of their best player's hands. And I mean, I don't know who we're saying that this quarterback would be, but it's not going to be Travis DeWay, and it's not going to be right. Dalton Seed. It's not going to be Denarius McGee. So we, if we say it's an average quarterback, well, I, in my, I'm under the, the opinion that, that receivers are relatively average as well. I mean, it's really hard to be good at receiver if you've never caught a ball in college, you know? I mean, even if you had the potential to be good, you will never be good because you have never caught a ball. So even if they had a good quarterback throwing the ball, that would take the ball, the, the ball out of Isaiah and Fonte's hands. They'd take the ball out of Trey Anderson's hands. I think that's the worst thing you could do. I mean, I thought it was so smart to put Troy at quarterback. I mean, I was as big of a critic of it as anyone. But if you can't get Trey Anderson the ball any other way besides snapping it to him, well, exactly. you better snap it to him because you got to give him the ball. Exactly, and that's what they've done with Travis Johnson because there's no way they could throw the ball to Travis Johnson 14 times a game. There's no way. So now they're just saying, okay, we're going to throw it to you five times and you're going to take 10 more snaps. I think it's so funny when they're like, when, you know, we saw early, we saw, especially in a couple of different scrimmages where we saw four or five different quarterbacks, we saw Kevin Cassis taking snaps and all that kind of stuff. I don't know why they go away from that. I don't know why, like, during the game plan on a Wednesday before a game, they're like, you know what, we should take that package out. Like, no, do it more. Why not snap the ball to Kevin Cassis? He's not going to touch the ball otherwise. Well, now that we've all prophesized what we would do if we were Montana State's offensive coordinators, I think you got to bring this around full circle and say this. I think that Montana State has made it made this narrative of the season not about some of the key injuries that they've suffered, not about all the turnover that they've gone through on their coaching staff over the last couple of years. I mean, we're not we haven't even talked about Ty Gregor. You and I, Ryan, talked about the coordinators being a little bit better fit, but there's no. Man, well, how good would the Cats be if they wouldn't have got rid of Ty Gregor? Right. That's not been a storyline. That's a huge testament to the Cats. The fact that they have the most shaky quarterback situation in the league and that they're the one of the league favorites, I think that also influences people. Uh, and I think it's worth noting. But I, I just got to wrap this by saying there's a lot of different things that we can say sitting here as our armchair quarterbacks. But from the way that I like to watch football, the way I like to consume football, I love what Montana State does. I understand that they're not great throwing the ball. In fact, they're downright bad most of the time throwing the ball. There's nothing that makes me more happy as a football fan than watching a team run the same play 23 times in a row and rally from a 17-point deficit. Because it's, as I always say, this is what's so crazy about some of the college coaches now and their paranoia closing practices. They don't want anybody to watch it. They don't want the media to see it. And I've always said this. In the game of football, there's a lot of deception and strategy that can definitely help you out. But at the end of the day, you should be able to tell the other team what you're going to do and still execute it. North Dakota State could tell you that they're running power at you, and I bet you a million bucks they're going to get six yards on that power play nine out of ten times. And I think that that's what football is in its most basic sense. And so I have to say that even though we are criticizing a lot of what Montana State's done, I think they deserve a tremendous amount of credit because their mental toughness and their physical toughness is the top in the league right now, in my opinion. And they they absolutely pulverize people with their run game. And to me, watching it, I think it's incredibly impressive to watch. Well, and Coulter, I, I, I think that's a, a great assessment by you, or a great kind of take on this. Also, then you alluded to some of this before in kind of a different way, but I think, too, 
How how big a deal is it for you to rally your offensive line if you're the offensive line coach or the offensive coordinator and say the the key to us winning it's on you guys you know it's not normally that goes to the quarterback and that that not just pressure but also the glory or whatever when the coaches are going hey guys on the offensive line hey Mitch Brought guess what we win this game if you lead us to glory if you show us the way well guess what three hundred twenty pounds is ready to go on Saturday when you're when this is the type of football that you're playing and he knows it is on him they're not they're not blowing smoke he the offensive line has to play great. For Montana State to have a chance. And guess what? They are. And they will continue to. I don't even know if they have it in them to not be great at this point. Yes. They're operating at such a high level that they just mash people. I mean, the fact that Lewis Kidd went from the Jelly Green Giant, who's just like the happiest guy, and you look at him and you're like, man, you are an NFL guard, but you don't know how to be mean. And now he actually knows how to play mean. That combined with Brat, who might be the meanest offensive lineman in the league, straight up point blank period. And then you have all these little scrappy guys. I mean, Denver Crone's my size. Zach Red is my size. And these guys mash people. And now that Connor Woods kind of got his feet under him as well at the right tackle spot, uh, that's pretty darn good. And then Taylor Tuiasasopo, now that he's back healthy, he's giving them tons of pop in that interior offensive line position at the left guard spot too. So uh, they are. They're impressive. They're super impressive. And I would say that more than being critical, I think that we're being encouraging to right. tell them to do more of what they want, what they should. I mean, they have all the pieces, you know, it's not that I'm not saying, hey, they can't throw the ball, so they got to figure that out. I'm saying don't throw the ball. Just do what you do. Do what you do. I mean, when, when Jeff Choate says it's all about the W's, I agree. And I really think that they could, I said this on the show a couple weeks ago, they could win the league title without throwing the ball, period. So just do it. They absolutely could. And, you know, I anyone who's played football knows that the week that you have to play the triple option team, whether it's Cal Poly. Uh, you know, they're not a triple option team by all accounts. But we're, we're, we're going to call them that for lack of a better term. The week that you have to play that, that team is grueling. And you know that they're excited to go and play their style against you. Montana State has that every week. You know that you're about to go get into a fight. And they are so comfortable in that setting. Jeff Choate reinforces it. And their comfort level is so high in that setting of a physical fighting style of a matchup that they're just going to absolutely scare teams, especially teams that are familiar. They could get a matchup in the playoffs where a team may not be uh, quite as familiar with what they've done, their body of work the last two or three years. But the teams that are, it's going to be a real, a, a real tough day no matter what. And you know that going in, which makes it even harder. Big Sky Breakdown featuring Ryan Tutel of ESPN Missoula, Brooks Nuanez of Skyline Sports, and myself, Coulter Nuanez of both of those entities. Gentlemen, Fun times. We'll be hanging out. Bobcat Stadium tomorrow. Can't wait. Can't wait. Going to be fun. Brooks, we appreciate it. Yes, sir. Hopefully, uh, I believe there might be some sun tomorrow, but the first day, first game I've been to this year was sun. Uh, it doesn't matter to everyone, but I have to sit there outside with no pretzels and no hot chocolate. And you guys watch it on TV with your feet up. It's, it's a fantastic partnership. I like to take my shoes off in the press box. Kick them right yeah. up there on the window and just lean back, maybe smoke yeah. a cigar. Enjoy it very much while I watch the sleet just piss down on you. And you come up at halftime just as angry as you could be. It's wonderful. You know, it, it, it makes it so, you know, before the snap, I'm like, well, I bet you they're rolling it. <laughs> <laughs> you know where to point the lens anyway, right? Just stick it on the center and watch someone run up his butt. <laughs> God, I love it. Stay tuned. Bobcat Roundtable featuring. Montana State wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator 
Eric Frazier, originally aired on 105.7-1047 FM, The Eagle in Bozeman. That one's coming up next, a great conversation. In the meantime, this Big Sky Breakdown, presented by Selway Armory and Town Pump. Thanks so much for listening. In western Montana, we know shopping local matters. And you may think you'd pay more for the quality and customer service that comes with it, but not at Selway Armory. Selway Armory is locally owned with knowledgeable specialists that can answer your questions. In addition to the expertise, though, Selway Armory also has a bigger selection and lower prices than the box stores. When you're in the market for firearms and accessories, save money with the experts at Selway Armory. Selway Armory, 2825 Stockyard Road, Unit E6, and online at SelwayArmory.com. Welcome in to the Bobcat Roundtable. The season marches on. We're already to mid-October. Coulter Nuwana is reporting for 105.7-1047, the Eagle, Montana Superstation in both Bozeman and Big Sky, as well as ESPN Missoula and SWX Montana Television statewide. Today on the Bobcat Roundtable, we'll be joined by wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator Eric Frazier. His Bobcat Roundtable debut. Coach Frazier, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Montana State, five-game winning streak, their longest since 2012, and the Bobcats have done it in a variety of ways. Early on, the pass rush was the dominant force defensively for Montana State, and lately it's been the run game that's really been spurring on the Bobcats. Montana State leads the league in rushing here six games into the year as the at the midpoint in the season, and a little bit of a hot streak going on. Despite a hard-fought victory at Cal Poly last week, it took overtime to put the Mustangs away, but that is always a tough trip. And the triple option style always gives teams around the league some problems. So, Coach, uh, your first year at Montana State, broadly, what do you think of just the first half of the season and how you guys have performed? Uh, It's been great. Uh, It's been a a fun ride so far, Um, being with this group of coaches and, uh, you know, being with this this group of players that we have. I think we have a a special staff, and I think we have – I know we have a bunch of kids that love football. They love to compete. Um, They love to grind. You know, they embrace everything that it entails. So, you know, to see those kids go out there and, and, and battle and fight, you know, week in and week out, you know, a couple of weeks ago being down 21 points to NAU, you know, and this, this past week, um, you know, kind of giving up, a, giving up a lead, which we didn't want to do. But, you know, the way they responded and competed, you know, for four quarters says a lot, you know, about the, the group of guys that we have. So, um, you know, they are a pleasure to be around. They're a pleasure to coach and, uh, you know, Montana State's a great place to be right now. It's been a little while since we uh, since I last interviewed you. I know since then you guys took the trip to Western Illinois, which is actually where you coached last year. So what was that experience like coaching against your former team? Uh, for me, it was just another game. You know, it was good to see some familiar faces, some guys that I, you know, put long hours in with, and that you know I still communicate with uh, from time to time. But you know, it was just another game that that we had to go to go win you know, to get to where we want to get to, you know, in the season. So, um, you know, not an easy trip, hard place to play. Um, you know, they competed hard, but, um, you know, we did what we had to do and we pulled it out. Eric Frazier, Montana State wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator, joining us on this week's Bobcat Roundtable. And, Coach, you mentioned that the fact that your team loves the grind, and I think that's an underrated part of college football, especially this day and age with – the age of instant gratification, sometimes the tedious nature of practices and the tedious nature of just how much work you have to put in to have success in football, it kind of goes by the wayside. But it, it is really true with your group of guys and the culture Jeff Choate's built. And it's true in the coaching business, too. You guys grind as hard as anybody. So, But how important do you think that factor is, just being able to put your nose to the grindstone and go to work like Montana State seems to be able to do now uh, in year four under Jeff Choate? Well, 
what a type of a culture um, that Coach Tote has instilled here, you know, is, is built on toughness and, you know, enduring, embracing, and, and conquer, conquering that grind. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that, you know, you got to play the game and you got to win the game, obviously, but um, the games, you know, are one in practice. It starts in practice and how you prepare. And, you know, our guys prepare hard day in and day out. And obviously, you know, there's a lot that entails with that on the field grind, but also, you know, the, the tedious things you got to do that these guys have to do to take care of their bodies. You know, they're on a tight schedule. You know, they have a, you know, rigorous, you know, school, you know, to, to you know, also contend with. And uh, it's a lot that goes into it, you know, taking care of your body, um, you know, the nutrition, but also the film study, you know, that part of the preparation. So, you know, it's not just on the field. I mean, on the field, obviously, we, you know, you know, it has to be done. They know it has to be done. But, you know, it's all those other things, too, you know, putting the countless hours in of, of knowing your opponent, knowing, you know, that you're fully confident that you've watched so much film that you know exactly what they're going to do, where they're going to be at, you know, a certain down distances situation or formation. So, um, you know, they, they conquer that and, and they, you know, they love that part. So it's good to be around because I, I think that's, you know, what's definitely helping us and putting us over the edge right now, you know, on top of us, you know, practicing as hard as we do. You inherited a pretty veteran group yourself, particularly with their two captains that are in the wide receivers room right now with Kevin Cassis and Travis Johnson. So just broadly, how much of those guys helped ease your transition to Montana State? How much do you lean on those guys because they are <laughs> such great leaders? Yeah, it's, it's, they've made my transition, uh, you know, really easy. Um, you know, like I said before, we got a bunch of kids that love football and, I think Travis Johnson and Kevin Cass is a, exemplify that um, to a T. You know, they they're Bobcats. You know, in, you know, in and out. Even though Travis transferred here, but Kev, you know, has done a tremendous job. You know, coming in as as a partial scholarship guy, earning the full scholarship, being the guy that we want to get the ball to every game and put the ball in his hands. And you know, Travis with his abilities, you know, we feel you know the same way about him. He studies the game. He's a quarterback, you know, free a quarterback from uh, you know, high school and college before he got here. And um he understands, you know, how to read coverages, how to read defenses. You know, we have him as some quarterback packages here and you know, he runs them, you know, very well. So, you know, both of those guys are, are extensions of me because they're older, because they understand. Um, so it's it's great to have them in my room. And, you know, showed up the younger guys, the ropes in my room, but not just the guys in my room, the rest of the team, because the team looks up to those guys that respond to them. So, you know, they're they're great kids, and, you know, it's a pleasure to coach them. Eric Fraser joining us on this week's Bobcat Roundtable. And at SkylineSportsMT.com this week, we're doing our senior profile on Travis Johnson. He has been a key cog in the rush game for Montana State the last two weeks, helping them to get off to a 2-0 Big Sky Conference start. But he's also been taking care of his business on the outside, on the perimeter as well, I think he's got eight catches for 106 yards the last two weeks, and he's also rushed for almost 190 yards and scored four total touchdowns. The diversity he's bringing to the offense is just unparalleled. What do you think of just his athleticism and the, his ability to contribute to your guys' offensive attack in so many ways? I mean, he's he's an athlete. Uh, I think you know we all the coaches here, you know, think and, and and we know that he can take over a game at any time. Um, he's very dynamic with the ball in his hands. Um, he can run, you know, he's, he's a big dude, so he can do a lot of things. And with the quarterback position coming so natural to him, like I, you know, just said, he, that's easy for him. And, you know, to see the, the growth that he has made, 
you know, only in the second year playing receiver um, has been very encouraging and it's, it's been phenomenal because he is translating things that he's, you know, learned under Coach Miller from last year, but also is learning from me since I've gotten here in January. So to see the difference in his play and the way he moves that receiver, um, you know, it is great. And, you know, hopefully we can get the ball um, in his hands more through the air. But if teams want to take, you know, want to roll coverage and play cover two and take them out of the passing game, then he's going to go back there and take some snaps at quarterback and they have to deal with him that way. So um brings a lot of versatility to our offense, makes us a lot more explosive, makes us a lot harder for defenses to game plan for. So um, it's good to have him in this offense, period. Eric Frazier joining us. He is the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator for the Montana State Bobcats, the number six ranked team in the FCS. And coach, let's talk about that element of it. Montana State, you guys have been able to run the ball so effectively, averaging 270 yards per game on the ground so far this season. And if you take the Texas Tech game out of the sample size, over 300 yards per outing against FCS opponents. The run game has been utterly dominant. The Northern Arizona game, a great example of that. Montana State ran the ball, I think, 22 or maybe even 23 consecutive plays rushed for 244 yards in the second half and rallied from a 17-point deficit to win going away, 35 unanswered points. Uh, so when you're coordinating the passing game, sometimes you guys don't even need it because the running game has been so dominant. Uh, but how, how, do you, how do you sort of balance your responsibilities in that role when you do lean on a great offensive line and, and such a stable of running backs like you guys do? Well, first and foremost, um, you know, the offensive line, you know, has done a great job, like you said, um, Coach Armstrong has done a great job with those guys. Um, and, and we will do, you know, whatever it takes to win. If we got to throw, throw the ball 10 times a game and only and, and run it 30, whatever it takes. And, and our guys buy into it. We don't have any any selfish people um, or selfish kids in this program. You know, they want to win and, and they know the mission that we're on and nothing can compromise that. Um, but as far as you know, trying to balance that out. You know, we go with the hot hand. Um, you know, we're going to go with what wins this games. And you know, you mentioned how we how we ran the ball, however consecutive. You know, many times in that NAU game. You know, that's just the offensive line taking over and imposing their will. You know, on the opponent, and they have that attitude, they have that mindset. Um, you know, and that's that's what Montana State is. You know, we're going to run downhill right at you and we'll take some shots in the air and, and, you know, we'll complete some of them. Some of them we won't. Um, But, you know, they have the safeties have to come downhill and fit the run and play one high defenses. That leaves one um, one one-on-one matchups on the outside. So, you know, we just got to get our guys in the right position, put the ball in their hands and and allow them to make plays. That's what it comes down to. You don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. Um, You know, go with our DNA stuff and, and let them take the game over. Last question for you, Coach. Homecoming weekend in Bozeman this Saturday should be an excellent game between Sacramento State and the host Montana State Bobcats. Kickoff, 2 p.m. from Bobcat Stadium. What have you seen out of Sacramento State's defense, a really athletic, fast defense, and how do you think you guys match up? What will be the key to victory for the Bobcats on Saturday? Uh, as far as that Sac State defense, uh, yeah, like you said, they're athletic. They fly around. They play hard. Um, a very physical group. Uh, have some twitch on the D line. They have uh, some some athletes on the back end. So um, at the end of the day, it's not about them. It's about what we do um, here in Montana State. And you know, we just we're going to stick with our game plan. 
and you know let the chips fall where, where they may. You know our kids, you know know that they got to take it one play at a time. And you know as far as game planning, we'll have some things that you know we feel like exploit some weaknesses in that defense. And um, you know just keep it simple, but let our guys play fast. Eric Frazier, he is the wide receivers coach and the pass game coordinator for the Montana State Bobcats. They host Sacramento State Saturday afternoon, Bobcat Stadium. Coach, best of luck, and thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Appreciate it.